This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's Baroni. He rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice-looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose. with space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson! Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. I am Chris Hambling and I am your host once again as we look back at the Premier League game number four for Crystal Palace. The Eagles hosted Southampton at Selhurst Park on Saturday and it ended with a disappointing 2-0 defeat. We'll take you through the key talking points, incidents and performances and also take a look at the general reaction to the defeat from the fans across social media. My panel tonight is Mike Scott and Patrick O'Connor. We'll be back after this brief interlude. Love our podcast. Listen to our live radio show on Love Sport every Thursday, 7 till 9 p.m., 558 a.m., DAB Digital Radio and online, lovesportradio.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, we are then. Uh, a couple of little bits of order. First of all, we were due to be joined by Mr. Alex Penge, but unfortunately some... Uh, Software failure there has left him licking his wounds at home. Absolutely gutted that he can't join us today. But that doesn't matter. We've still got a really strong panel in Mike and Patrick. I'll be talking to those gents in just a moment. First of all, a reminder. Uh, and if I sound if I sound angry or desperate, I am both of those things. We are doing the Palace for Life Foundation Walk. I have put myself forward to walk 26.2 miles. And I cannot even walk to the shops without breaking into a massive sweat. So come on. Uh, really, it's time for you to dig deep. It's, it's around payday for most people. Just just give us your money. Give us your money. I think that's the, the voice you have to do it in. Uh, you know, we're looking pretty pathetic right now. Really appreciate everyone who's def- who's donated so far. But this is for a great cause. I know there's lots of people doing it, so your cash might be spread a bit thin. But honestly, we, uh, we've got to raise some decent money to do this. Uh, otherwise, it's... Uh, you know, it's quite embarrassing for us and our, <laughs> and our listeners. So, um, you know, but Patrick's not joining us. You know, he's selfishly ensconced there in New York, aren't you? Yeah, but the question is, can you take, do you take American donations? 
Oh, I reckon so. I reckon you can donate well, in dollars, dollar rupees. I'll, I'll be doing that today then, no problem. Oh, nice one, mate. You can do it by text. Um, if I was organised, I'd have written down how to do that. Uh, and I did it the other week <laughs> where you text, I think. I heard you do it. Yeah, it worked. But yeah, it again, did I work. From America. Yeah. I'll have to give it a try later on. But we can, uh, we can easily edit in the, the, the way to do it, and that is to text B O T N nine zero. So bit back of the nest ninety B O T N ninety. Then you text the value with a with the pound sign. I don't know if you could do it with a dollar sign, but do it with a pound sign, Patrick, and it will convert it for you. Probably uh, text it. Text it to seven hundred seventy. So for example, B O T N ninety uh, eight hundred pounds, <laughs> and that's it. So eight hundred with the pound sign, B O T N ninety, pound like sign eight hundred dollars. Wow, it is. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm not saying you have to donate eight hundred pounds at a time, but you know you can. <laughs> Nothing's stopping you whatsoever. Uh, but no, anything, any donation is appreciated, and obviously it's, you know, the focus there is not on, not on us. The focus there is on the uh, fantastic work that the Palace for Life Foundation do. Um, so there we go. All right, let's have a chat with the panel. Patrick, it is your first show of the season, so I pronounced your name in a very odd way just then. <laughs> Patrick. Sorry. Right. Uh, first of all, how are you? You know, and, uh, all right? I've had some health issues, but thankfully I'm much better. And I have to say I've missed the show because uh, the pre-show uh, was was very like, <laughs> like the old pre-show, so I enjoyed that. Yeah, nothing has changed <laughs> since, uh, since the radio software, days. Though. Better software, though. Yeah, it is better software, but we we were due to start 54 minutes ago on the recording, and we did <laughs> exactly. spend a good 15 minutes with Mikey's son showing him pictures of birds for him to identify them. And I've got to tell you, it is terrifying how many different breeds of bird he can identify from a photograph alone. He is, uh, he's, he's incredible, isn't he? Yep, yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, well done, Harry. Anyway... Uh, so what have you what have you thought your thoughts on Palace so far? Well, uh I was very, very, very pleased after the first match. Uh Liverpool always bothers me because I don't like losing to them when we always do, you know, you know, a couple of games aside. But disappointed in the last two matches, um just the whole I'm not disappointed as much in the performances because I think there's been some decent things. I just disappointed in like the fans' reactions to a lot of the of the way we're playing. I mean, listen, I'm a little down on, on Hodgson myself with the subs and formation but so much negativity going about about Benteke and the HF and Hodgson it's just it's just so typical Palace and it's so early in the season to be so depressed after being so happy after the first week so I'm very much back in the old Palace gloom mode which really stinks it's only September 2nd over here and over there so yeah I'll I'll take your point I mean I was I put some stuff on Twitter myself yesterday and I got a little bit of stick but not much a lot most people Agreeing with me, but you know, it does, it should really come with a health warning that it was a comment written directly after the game. <laughs> so, exactly, you know, you, you don't come out of a, a match you've just lost 2 0 to a, what is a very poor team fully rational and fully, you know, considering the full context of what happened, you know. And it's funny, only putting the, the show plan running order together today did I realize just how many chances we had. So, you know, I think that. That's an interesting point to talk about, but uh, we'll, we'll obviously we'll get into that, and um, hopefully Mikey can edit out my stomach rumbling just then. That was <laughs> quite upsetting, especially given how much I've eaten today. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's I understand what you're saying. It's very it's, it has gone a bit doom and gloom, and it's got very 
angry very quickly. Very but, quickly. Um, yeah, very quickly. Yeah. You know, I was frustrated, but there's a difference between frustrated and, and messaging players and absolutely with people with you know, personal abuse. I think people have got to go. Exactly. Just, yeah, just get over yourselves, honestly. Who the hell do you think you are? Honestly, I, I would dare to presume that I have the right to go and personally abuse someone because I'm annoyed at a football match. And quite why other people think it's okay, I don't know. Maybe it's just society, Patrick. Yeah, the thing is, Chris, you know, I've got, I've always had a personal issue with you know a particular player. I'm not going to name him, obviously, but I've never, ever, ever added him. And I could have done it. He's on Twitter. But, you know, I've never, I've come, I've made, his, I mentioned his name. I might say anything about it, but I could easily have put his name in. I would never do that because you don't personally abuse people. It doesn't make any sense, and it's so. It's disgusting. I mean, and I heard yesterday people were at the, at the at the ground behind Hodgson, you know, yelling at him. I mean, really, four games of the season where you're yelling at the manager who we apparently we loved two weeks ago. It's just, it's just, it's it's crazy. But it's very Palace. We'll we'll talk about the atmos and stuff later on. But because the atmos has died a little bit, you can now actually hear so much more of what the idiots are shouting. That's what I. And heard, I've said yeah. this before, but it's it's so frustrating because. You want to say to these people, the play, none of the players, none of the management or players can hear you. I can hear you. So all you're doing is shouting your opinion at me and the people around me. So what are you, what are you hoping to achieve? Look at me. This is, you know, they could me. I don't like Christian Benteke. Well, guess what? I'm not happy he's missing chances either, but what, what are you actually doing by shouting that kind of rubbish? Either get behind your team or just, just don't bother. You can't be enjoying it anyway. Oh, look, people people do go to football to vent, I get that, and it's not for me to tell people what they should and shouldn't do, but it is, you know, it is very, very frustrating and it's not in keeping with the the palace that I know and love. Um, Mike, you've been sitting there for a while not talking because we've gone off for one. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you need me to be honest, do you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've yeah. uh go on, jump in on this. Yeah, I I was pretty annoyed yesterday. I went for a curry in the evening to try and calm down. A little bit of Vindaloo helps a little bit. Today it's been sunny, beautiful. Uh, England have won the Test match. Uh, I saw a little kid throw a stone. He was trying to skim stones on the sea. Threw it about 15 yards, smacked his dad in the head. So that really amazing. <laughs> Wonderful. And then... The only downside, I was coming back. I went in the office to get some beers for now. Um, I've gone for Lech. I don't think it's you say it, like the Polish beer. Yeah. The, che- the cheeky, the cheeky trap has given me three Leches and then sneaked in a Carlsberg because they look the same. So oh, uh, yeah, that so, is unacceptable. That, yeah, it's one of those guys where you ask him for the beer and he goes and gets it. And it's just yeah, that's been the only downside to today really. And Watching back the highlights of yesterday before this was the only other thing that put me in a bad mood. Yeah, but I mean, it's nice to have that perspective, isn't it? Dad hit him face by rock from sun. You know, well, absolutely. You know, he was trying to skim it, and uh, I, he sort of he was aiming towards his parents, and then he just picked up this pretty large rock that just like absolutely smacked it. It landed on the guy's head, and I just heard this ah, <laughs> and then his wife dragged him out of the water, and like. Nobody could really laugh for a little bit to check he was okay. Um, and then after a while, it, it clearly was that he was all right. So everyone just then just let loose and himself. Oh, I love it. Sorry, Mikey. <laughs> do we have to beep that? Well, oh, I guess we probably do. So we probably do, but There's going to be more sure. swearing today, isn't there? Let's be honest. Absolutely there is. And <laughs> we'll get there. Um, so obviously, yeah, in, in the week you did the Love Sports show, just a little bit of a chance to promote that. How did that go? Yeah, uh, it, it was good. We had uh, we had 
Chris Two um, covering covering you. Uh, he was a very insightful lad. We had uh, Neil Shipley on. Um, he had no love lost for Watford whatsoever. Uh, considering he was on loan at them, that was that was pretty. I asked him about that, and he was really short. He was like, "No, hate him." Um, <laughs> so it's it's worth going back and listening to him about that. Um, you know, skip the Southampton fan and stuff. But um, yeah, it, it went well. Um, we had a, a few dear drs. You know, he dealt with some problems that people had sent in. Um, it was yeah, it was good. Yeah, nice one. And obviously, that show goes out live on a Thursday night, seven to nine pm. Uh, yeah, sort of an ever-changing cast of people. It's usually myself, DR, and, uh, and and potentially one other. But we're we're chopping and changing around. Chris Clark, as uh, Mike said, was there this week. Uh, I'm not sure who we're sending this week. We'll see. Make a decision on that. But if you uh, if you're missing our live output, don't forget we still do a live show on a Thursday evening. Um, that, yeah, sorry, and that's also that is available uh, online as well. If you if you're not in the London area, so you can't get it on DAB or AM radio, which is 558, I believe, 558 AM. Uh, you can also get it online on Love Sports' site. Uh, also, I also met with Aaron from Love Sport before the show, uh, before the show, before the game on Saturday. Uh, Aaron was doing commentary for, for Sky on that. Uh, and was so late getting there that I literally just ended up being his escort into the press area, which uh, slightly undermined me a little bit. Uh, but then I went and met uh, Chris Clark in the... Victory Club had a lovely pint in there, although I did get my hands on one of those special cheese rolls, uh, so I was quite disappointed in that as well. But uh, yeah, nice little, nice little start to the game. Had a pint before a game for the first time in, in ages, and felt very, very positive about it. So, well, now's the time for us to ruin that by getting into the match review. Okay, uh, lineups as we always start. The first and most important thing to, to talk about was, of course, Wilfred Zaha's injury. Uh, I've not. I've seen it. The BBC said it was an abductor muscle. I've seen also chat that it was a uh, a groin injury. But all of the estimates are that he could well be out for a month or so. Um, so Patrick, I think obviously Roy was a bit candid in the pre uh, pre game press conference, and now we can see why uh, missing Zaha and obviously a huge blow to us. Yeah, it's it's becoming uh, quite annoying that um, whenever he's out, we we. We uh, you know, obviously don't win, but you know, I harken back to what you said before, Chris, many times. You know, we've and it makes sense. Uh, Roy's has set up our team to play, uh, you know, through Wilf. Uh, it's not based on Metek, it's based on Wilf. So when he's not in there, we don't adjust. So uh, the four four two that we play, it only really works with Wilf because you know Wilf is a ball carrier. He gets us up the field quickly. He creates and scores goals. And when he's not in the in the game. Putting an IU in there is it's not a one for one. It's never going to be one for one, you know, a light change. So it's a real issue for us. So we've got to figure out a way to adjust that lineup because without Wilf, we're going to be in in big trouble. Yeah, it's um, you don't. Obviously, I really as soon as I saw it, I thought if we lose this, it's going to yeah. be straight away in the, in the press. It's going <laughs> yeah. to be no goals for Palace. Uh, you know, um, lose every game that Wilf doesn't play. Uh, you know, he's, we're a one man team, all that kind of stuff. I mean. It, it just it shouldn't be that way, should it, Mike? We should be able to do something different. We should be able to cope with the loss of you know, yeah, okay, he's a great player, and any team misses a player of that caliber. But you look at what we've got, you know, and, and this gets us into the the discussion really of did we make the most of what we've got in Will's absence? Well, first of all, um, the mood was pretty positive um, in 
you know, around the around the Burger Burn outside the Homestale, everyone was going, oh well, you know, this will be the day that we finally get rid of that bloody statistic that everyone keeps going on about. Um, and the general feeling was, i.e., maybe he's a bit untested, not quite fit, but he should he should fit in nicely. Um, and really, from what I've seen of the Southampton side before that game, um, I was pretty confident because I thought I, I just don't see it mattering. I think we can still we can still do them. Um, so it was pretty disappointing. I just yeah I, I I sort of echo that. No one see everyone. Well, actually, not not, not quite everyone. When I uh, got to got to the Victory Club, when the news broke that Wilf wasn't starting and the lineups came out, there was just an audible groan throughout the entire yeah. Victory Club at the exact same time, uh, which was pretty funny. But I think after you know after the initial disappointment, I think again people thought you know what well, I use in the team. It's a chance for him to to show what he's got. We've seen him play very well against us. Um, the score, a couple of good long ranges. So I think people were, were yeah, still optimistic and still looking forward to the game. Yeah, well, but, I, I was uh, on the train and, and the, we were all reading the lineups as it happened and the same sort of groans. But then there was one sort of rotund, happy chap and he's like, come on, people, now's the day. Now's the day we can get rid of that stat. And everyone's <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just wish yeah. someone had put that message across to the players, perhaps you know that might have helped. Um, but look, you know, you know, it's not the be all or end all. You know, and the, the question of how do we deal with it? Well, I don't think we did, uh, and we'll get into that in, in, in a little while. But um, obviously, the other the other big factor, um, other than Wambazaka winning his place back from Ward, which I don't think people were were too uh, surprised at, especially given how well Wambazaka did against Swansea uh, when we were up there midweek. Um, but no Tompkins again, and um, you know Patrick. That's you know that's that's a, almost as bad a problem as having Zaha out, isn't it? Yeah, I put it out yesterday on Twitter. Uh, it's amazing how those two injuries of the last year have been. Every time we lose those two players, we go into a tailspin. And I'm going to say it, and I've, people have said it before. For me, the biggest thing for us defensively is having Tompkins and Sacco. Uh, playing together, obviously they'd they'd be undefeated in seventeen straight games. Obviously Liverpool and um, uh, 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 the following game was Watford. what? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, he didn't play against what? Right. Well, Liverpool game stopped that streak. Oh, sorry. For your yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You're right. But um, it's just it's 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 just huge not having Tompkins. And listen, people talk about Martin Kelly, and I'm not going to put him down. But for me, Sacco plays so much better with Tompkins than any other player with them with Dan, then with Kelly, and his performance just drops off to me and he's not as commanding uh, with Kelly back there. And I think, and that makes, to me, that makes the goalie better too. And I just, not, not having not having Tompkins is a huge miss for us. And again, we've got to figure something out because if it's going to be Kelly and Saka going forward, they've got to play better because we, we can harken back to that first goal. It was awful. I mean, to beat, to one ball, to beat two defenders and to them to score that goal, one yesterday was just terrible. So again, uh, the Tompkins miss is a huge one. And I just hope he's, he's not going to spend his whole career at Palace you know, playing five games, missing ten, because that's going to be terrible. Because he can—he's—he's already a legend for, in many parts. I just hope he can get healthy and stay healthy. And Mike, do you think maybe looking at it now? I know it's benefit hindsight and all that kind of stuff, but with Dan still some way away from fitness, obviously we've put Ryan Innes out on loan to to Dundee. Uh, have we really got the the cover we should have at, at centre back? No, I was just about to say that. I mean, really. You can't rely on one pairing that's going to stay fit for the season, and especially when it's Tompkins and Sacco, um, it's it's not a good situation. I, I thought Kelly was 
much less uh, assured than he was against Watford. And that probably does have an effect on Hennessy as well, like you say. I mean, the thing is, can he can he try Kuate out there? Has he really got an option? Like he can't he can't just stick him in there and hope because there might be another game where we look just as bad. So it's a difficult situation. I mean, maybe test something against West Brom. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you like to see that some level of a experimentation there. But obviously, we had the opportunity to look at a sort of reserve centre back pairing, which was which was Kelly and Innes against Swansea and. I think it was clear from that as much as it was good to see Ryan Innes finally make his debut at, at 23 after being on the bench at sort of 18. I think it did show that for whatever reason, he's not progressed to, to where he potentially could have done for, I say there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, and he certainly wasn't really, a, a, you know, ever going to step up and be able to play at Premier League level, certainly not at the moment anyway. But there we go. Um, so to take us into the next bit I want to talk about in the in terms of the lineup and players that haven't started. Um, I think it's a, it's going to be a potentially welcome return for the feature Hamblings Ramblings. Chris Hamblings got all ranty. Some things really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake. It's going to get quite heated. The air is turning blue. The refs have cut. The players are and guess what? So are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan much. So welcome back to Hamblings Ramblings, the first of this season. And um, the topic of this rambling is, of course, I suppose it's inaction, really. Now, of course, we all we all like Roy Hodgson. He's done a great job for Palace. He's worked very, very hard. He turned us around from a from a terrible situation into something that we could respect, you know, something that we were happy about. Recently signed a one-year con- contract extension, and obviously everyone was delighted to see it. We're all happy having Roy Hodgson as our manager, but that doesn't quite mean that Roy is immune to criticism. And it's interesting to see the level of criticism that Roy has got of late, because there's a, there's a definite consistency to it, you know, other than the fact that some people feel the need to abuse. Uh, of course, it's not really about abuse. It's about identifying the areas where, you know, Roy has his ways. He has his, you know, arguably he has <clears throat> his faults. So what we've seen is Roy is unhappy to make a substitution before 75 minutes. I don't know what the number 75 actually signifies to Roy. Uh, obviously, potentially it's the age um, he's going to retire at, maybe. I don't know, but he seems absolutely fascinated by this number. It doesn't seem to matter what's going on on the pitch. It just seems to be that's the time he wants to change it. And fair enough, if that's what you want to do, you have to live with the consequences. And unfortunately, the consequences are we've lost two games against teams we perhaps arguably should be beating. And when you look at the, the changes that are being made, they seem to be really, really obvious. You know, Jeffrey Schlupp started the season well, but unfortunately, he just wants to recycle possession. He wants to play the easy pass from out on the left. You know, tucks inside, passes the ball backwards or sideways, very rarely making a positive move. And unfortunately, that's not good enough at the Premier League level. And then you start looking in the centre and you look at MacArthur and Luca as a partnership. Do they work as well as Kabayan? 
and uh, and Luca as a partnership? No, they clearly don't. We're lacking something. And the stupid thing is, we went out in the transfer market and we got something. We got Max Mayer, who can play on that left-hand side area where Schlupp plays. And he's absolutely brilliant. He's a fantastic footballer. You can see he's a better player than Jeffrey Schlupp, with the greatest respect to Schlupp. So why aren't we using him? Same for Jake Coyote. What a great player he is. You know, box to box. Got plenty of him to, you know, works really, really hard. He, him alongside Luca, or even alongside MacArthur, if Luca's struggling for form, which he is, you know, those are things that we can do. So why aren't we doing them? I don't get it with Roy. And unfortunately, it seems to be that if you step out and criticise him, you either get chucked in the camp of people who love to abuse managers and players, or you get accused of losing perspective. Well, I've got perspective, and Roy is too slow to react. Sambling's gone all ranty, something's really wound him up. He's using lots of nutty words, like bloody cripes and for Pete's sake. It's going to get quite heated, the air is turning blue. The refs have come, the players are, and guess what, so are you. He'll whine about the tactics, the substitutes and such. But please don't get him started on Jordan much. That's right, you know. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> I had no idea what I was going to say there, so I just said it. Right, guys, so we've come off the back of my rambling there. Uh, and my question is, why aren't we starting with Maya and Coyote? You know, why aren't we, in my view, picking our best players? And, you know, again, I'll start with you, Patrick, on that. So I particularly look at the situation with Jeffrey Schlupp, and I, I have to ask, you know, with the greatest respect, because I thought he had a really good game against Fulham, uh, I thought he was one of the weak links against Watford and very much so against Southampton. He's, he's not really contributing to the game in a, in a positive sense, in my view, barring a, a one or two forward runs that he made throughout the Southampton game. So for you, looking at it and looking at the way players are playing, everyone's saying the same thing. It's an obvious like-for-like swap with Mayer, right? Yeah, it's, it's to me, it's a loyalty thing with, with, with Roy. He's very loyal to his players. He doesn't like to change things, but... You know, progressive managers make changes when they see things that aren't going right. You know what? Forget loyalty. Forget the fact a player's played well. If you think, or not played well, if you think there's changes needed, make a change. And he doesn't do that. I like Schlub as a, as a, as a player. I, I like interaction with the other players, with him, you know, him and Sacco and him and PVA. But you're absolutely right, Chris. That first match, he played great against Fulham. But ever since that match, he's had three progressive games that I think weren't very good. He played okay. I watched, I watched Swansea match a few times. It was on over here. Hey, what about in that game? We were talking about Swansea, you know, Swansea reserve side. So I, I don't, I don't get why Maya hasn't played. I get maybe he did sign a little bit late. Maybe the fitness issue. I've watched a couple of tapes of him, you know, on the uh, on the Palace website, the TV, and he looks he looks really good in training. So I don't see why we wouldn't play him. It's obvious to me our midfield has been has been absolutely terrible. It really has. The Luke McCarthy schlup midfield with Townsend just doesn't work. We were overrun at Watford. We were overrun yesterday. Liverpool obviously absolutely destroyed us in midfield. He has to see a change, and, and I, I, I tweet all the time: bring Maya on, bring Maya on. Maya's come on now in two games in a row, maybe three, and just changed the game for us. But it's been so late in the game; it hasn't had a chance to help us, you know, get a point. I'm with you 100. percent He has to start. He has to start. He played. Uh, he played from the start against Swansea. He played centrally, and I think I, I, I loved it. Him and Johnny Esther were brilliant. I loved watching the two of them yeah. at the same time. It was great. Yeah, when you look at it, they're, they're you know they're quick feet, both of them. They were so, they were so skillful in getting away from opponents as well. Move, there was one. It was actually, yeah. yeah, it was. It was actually Johnny who did the 
sort of most impressive one. He was out on the right wing and just in one fluid motion, he'd sort of just tip the ball around the player running at him. <laughs> yeah. And just, he was just off into, into space. And it was, it was lovely to see. And they say Mayer in particular, his feet are just so, so quick. But it's again, it's about people being comfortable in possession, but not looking for the easy pass all the time. And if I was to be, you know, sum up our game yesterday, I would sum it up and say that we spent the best part of an hour just playing at a very sedate pace, yeah. looking for the yeah. easy pass and not actually looking to break anyone down. We were just playing football and just assuming at some point that we would create a chance and be able to win the game, but we didn't actually go and try and earn that. And um, I think players like Coyote, when he came off the bench and, and Mayer, Mike, they're, they're the sort of players that will be the difference when a game's like that, when you actually need to go out and do something. But obviously the, the trick is to not wait until you're, one nil down and chase the game to do it right. Yeah, I'm just going to take this opportunity to open a can. I, I didn't want to do it while I was you were all talking. Um, yeah, I think sometimes you just got to say. Um, obviously, Hodgson, very experienced manager, and you'd say he probably knows best. But uh, yesterday, there was people just just screaming, "We want Max Meyer," um, and it's just like it, it wasn't it wasn't rocket science. It needed to happen. Um, as soon as Kiarte came on, he was excellent. As soon as Maya came on, absolutely excellent. My worry is that he was being tempered by Stephen Reid and Stephen Reid's gone. And I just wonder if we were giving credit to Hodgson that maybe should have gone to Stephen Reid. Um, he would have made those sort of statements. He would have said, look, we can't wait. Um, th- this isn't working. Um, so... Hopefully it's not that because there's not going to be a solution to that. But um, uh, I would assume in the same way that the club has come out with a statement about the HF today that they do listen, he will listen, and he might think at Huddersfield, OK, I'm going to bow to pressure. It's time to, uh, to, to change. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sorry, I was in the process of loading the club statement on, on the HF there to talk about later on. You just reminded me. But um, what do you think about that, Patrick? Is there potentially a, a coaching issue there? You know, were we more, uh, sorry, less less reluctant to change things last season because of Stephen Reid? Or, you know, again, I've, you know, from knowing uh, the people who've, you know, followed Roy Hodgson teams in the past, um, this, is a, this is a characteristic of Roy in the fact that he does not, doesn't like to make changes early on you know he's very very measured in his approach you know he believes in giving the players he's put out there the message about how to go win the game and how to play it 
but you know we've got to half time in this in this game and we haven't actually reacted in the second half until we've got a goal down do you, do you think potentially mike's got a point there you know i haven't thought about it i did see a couple of people mention that on uh various websites today about stephen reed again it's an interesting thought i've got no insight in in that i don't know what the interaction was between stephen reed and uh hodgson because again i think last year was his first year as an assistant coach on any level so but you're right chris i think just knowing hodgson i, I follow i follow hodgson in two places at fulham and at england and I was never a big fan. He did a great job of Fulham. I was never a fan of Hodgson because I just kind of thought he was a little bit what I'm seeing now. He didn't make a lot of subs, didn't make a lot of changes. You know, I kind of knew what he was going to do and it kind of bothered me. But um, maybe Mike's hit on something that really no one else thought of. Maybe um, having a younger um, assistant on the on the bench as opposed to Lewington to tell him to do certain things or mention things that might, you know, pop his, might not pop in his head is what's going on. I don't know. It, sound, it, it really, it sounds great. I just don't know how much validity I can put into it, but it really sounds like a, a, something that could be that could be true. Yeah, I mean, just going back to the, the point I'm making, you know, again, this, I think you you said it quite well, Patrick, in the sense that this is, you know, this is an experienced manager who you think should know better kind of thing, yeah, or, or exactly. potentially does know better, um, right. better than us. And we're, what we're doing here is just looking at, Again, it's not not necessarily hindsight because we're seeing it actually at the time as well. But we're we're looking at a situation. It's very easy to say, do this, do that, and things will be better. Exactly. Right. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. I, I you know I, I think it is. It's just, but that's just my opinion. I think playing, you know, again, I, I, taking football down to the base level, to the simplest level, pick your best players to to win a game. Okay, so I think. Max Mayer is is a better player than Jeffrey Schlupp. Um, and I think despite the fact that MacArthur has been one of our best performers this season, and I absolutely love him to bits, Jake Coyote is a, is a better player for us the way we're trying to play. And, I, and that, those are the two changes that I would make instantly. Obviously, you don't, we didn't have the luxury of picking Zaha yesterday, so you know, I'm certainly not going to criticise the, the uh, personnel selection, but the way we actually try to continue playing that four four two, and I think that's another thing we haven't really talked about is, is the is the system as well. It's not just about the personnel. The system worked so well last season, but we've seen it so many times as Palace supporters. Just because something works for a while, it doesn't mean it will work forever. And you go back to that as annoying as it can be, the argument about what is Plan B. Well, you know, I'm not talking about what is Plan B. I'm talking about how do we replace Plan A if it doesn't work. <laughs> it's, I know what I mean. You can argue that that is Plan B, but I want a new Plan A. I don't want a Plan B. Uh, go on, Mike. Yeah, I, I think you've you've probably hit the nail on the head there. In that, before the game, I was happy with the lineup, and I, I think it was decent enough uh, to have beaten Southampton, and it should have happened. Um, it's the it's the slowness of the change. I wasn't too bothered that either of those didn't start my personal um, position would be the same as yours. I'd rather they did, but you, you don't know I, quite how fit they are, quite what he thinks of them right now. But it's the fact that they're there and available. And the first option that he did was take Townsend off, um, which just seemed crazy. Um, like it, he's got his plan A is decent, but his plan B is way too slow. Go on, Patrick. And I would say that, uh, I like what Mike just said, but I would say that based on how Maya played against Swansea, I would have definitely played Maya for Schlock yesterday. Everybody else with Saar being out, I'd have no problem with, but seeing Maya play, get 90 minutes against Swansea, knowing that he's fit and ready to go and how he played, 
and how Schlupp played the previous match against Watford, I would have said that was an easy change. But I knew he was going to make that change. Just knowing Hodgson, I knew it was going to be it was going to be Schlupp. Oh, no, yeah. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So, you know, so and that was a frustrating part. I would love to see him do something that I don't expect, and that would show me that you know what? Okay, maybe he's changing, evolving. But this is Roy Hodgson, so. I'm not going to make fun of him. I'm not going to make call him that stupid name that people call him or whatever. But the thing is, is that this is who he is. So it was great last year. It kept us up and it was wonderful. Got us out of a terrible, you know, situation last year. But this year, with the players we brought in in Kiate and Maya, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say in Guaita, I want to see him play. We paid a lot of money for these players, you know, for the most, if it's not, you know, actual money and contract wise, let them play. It's not working. We lost three matches in a row to one decent side, Liverpool, I think. Watford, even though won today, is not a very good team, but they proved me wrong. And I think Southampton's a terrible team. So why not change it up and put in the players that you that you brought in and, and see something different as opposed to, you know, same old, same old. Maybe that'll happen yeah, again. Yeah, I mean, to take that point, I, I think Watford has surprised a lot of people this season. And Definitely. again, I could, I could kind of make my peace for losing that game. Yeah, I agree. But, but really? with Southampton, you, Southampton. you saw us... I mean, I can't, Mike, not really. I'm just <laughs> pretending. <laughs> but the Southampton game, we, we played a team very low on confidence. Yep. And for 45 minutes, we just we helped give them confidence. We just went, right, guys, I know you've come into this game. You're you're expecting to defend. Uh, you don't know what to do because Zaha's not there. And you, your entire game plan was focused on stopping him. So, you know, half of you don't know what to do at the moment. So what we're going to do is going to let you have the ball quite a lot. <laughs> just, just pass it around. We won't put you under any real, any real pressure at all. And then go into the second half. You can feel really good about yourselves and go oh. ahead and win the game. Oh. That's what we did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you oh, know? Whereas, what if we'd oh. gone out? You saw the impetus that we put in as soon as, as soon as we went a goal down. If you go out with that attitude, that's what, in my view, Roy's got to do. And I, I've got to say now, I, I massively respect Roy for for the loyalty he shows to players. Um, and for not panicking. I know I, I like the fact that we've got a manager who doesn't immediately panic when things aren't going right and trusts in the players because, you know, that gives players confidence. However, you've got to know where to draw the line. And, you know, again, it's not real. You know, I can't pro- profess to know anything more than the Roy Hodgson does, but just from the fact that what I'm watching, I would like to see us just be much, much more proactive about it. And when you see the fact that we can play with sharpness and urgency when we go a goal down, you just want to say, why can't you put that mentality in the players from kickoff? That's all we want to see. That's all Palace fans will ever want to see is a team that's ready to go out there and comp- compete. It was almost as if we said to the team, guys, it's, it's Southampton. They're not playing very well. You know, here's, here's, a, here's a bunch of videos on how we can win the game. So just relax and it will happen. And off, off you go. Yep. Just Just play your football and it will happen. You've got to make it happen. You've got to do something that, you know, that, that, that breaks them down. That, that When you don't put a team under pressure that's already struggling, you know, you just run the risk of doing exactly what we did, which is just play into their hands. Now, it was an incredibly boring first half. Let's, let's face it, absolutely dull as dishwater. Uh, but we did make some chances and we did... You know, we we did, despite playing so sort of sedately, but we got an early warning sign. And that early warning was Sacco sort of casually chesting it back to Hennessy. And I think Wayne really did help him out because he didn't get enough on it. Um, but that didn't wake us up, did it, Mike? It was We were still playing with that same laid-back sort of attitude. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure I totally agree on the sharpness thing. I, I, I think we were trying to thread 
the ball for an eye of the needle. Um, I, for, you know what I mean. Um, it, <laughs> even even after the goal went in, it was it was so central. It, we were trying to pass through the middle. There wasn't enough down the flanks. Um, early on, I, I don't think we were a lot worse. I mean, I, I, the Sacco thing is pretty much par for the course. Um, but it was more later on. Southampton were just nervous. I, I, I don't think that we got out of second gear at any point in the game, really. Um, the, the first half, you're right, um, that we did create a lot of chances, um, but we should, because they're not a very good team. Uh, simple as that. Patrick? And that flank issue, Mike, is a good one. Do you know, but the thing is, when you talk about the flank, we're talking about one player, Townsend, because Schlupp's not a not a pure winger or a flank player as you, as you see it. And you think we'd bomb on PVA and Wambasaka more. Yesterday, I didn't see it as much. So that flank issue is right. So you're right. We are trying to force the ball down the middle. And who could best player we have to do that? It's Max Meyer. And he's on the bench. Because nobody else can throw the pass like he can. So that's why we're frustrating watching that first half. Our best player that can, to me, unlock a defense is, is playing. He's sitting on the bench. And we're trying to still force the ball down the middle. It was stupid. Yeah. And, well, and MacArthur was doing it well. And, and you know, that yes. he's, he's not in the same league as Max Meyer, is he? He's not. But this is where um, you go back to, to losing Zaha out of the team. And obviously, that's the whole the whole four four two is is based on Wilf peeling out to that left and working with PVA and Schlupp and Schlupp playing the, yes. the sort of narrow wide midfield sort of yes. position that, that Roy sort of created when he when he joined us. But when when Jordan Ayew isn't playing that role, or at least he might have been instructed to play it, but he wasn't. He was sort of all over the pitch. When so that really highlighted that lack of width, and you know PVA couldn't go forward because, at least not as much as he as he usually likes to, because there was no real overlap, there was no real doubling up on the fullback because there wasn't Zaha peeling out to that side and the panic that that causes. So again, you've got to ask the questions about why why aren't we reacting to that when it when it clearly wasn't working? Why isn't someone getting into Jeffrey Schlupp's ear and going, Jeff, you got to play wider, mate, or? Getting into Jordan Ayew's ear and saying you've got to, you've got to make an extra body out on the left there because we like to attack down that side and right right now that's where it's continuously breaking down and you saw the fact it was breaking down because we kept going with a long ball into the channels and we were kind of playing this mixture of styles where you know we started to build up from the back and then had nowhere to pass it so we either tried this eye of the needle pass that Mike was talking about or we just hoofed it into the channels and hoped um, and it was just this it was just this mess really, uh, in terms of going forward. But, you know, we still did the usual things of trying to close down the gaps, keep players close to each other, you know, two banks of four when defended, all those usual things that we did. So most of the game we looked relatively solid, playing a, you know, a, a poor team in all honesty. But um, again, this is this is what we're talking about. We did create a few chances. I think the, the first chance really was IU peeling out to the right-hand side. Uh, played it to Townsend. He just put a left foot cross in towards the back post, just a little bit too high for Benteke to properly direct the header. And you, you kind of think, you know, that's missed chance number one, but it was it was a tricky one. Um, and, you know, yeah, this was part of us trying to get into the channel's early days, but, you know, we didn't keep doing that. So you're thinking, guys, we t- we've created a chance for, for Benteke nice and early. I used peeled off to one side, played it to Townsend, who's got a great cross in him. But, you know, then again, then Patrick, why why do we have to wait, you know, another 20 minutes before we see another cross of that type? I, I don't know, but I'll go back to, you know, what I've been saying is that the system's set up for Wilf. The Wilf's not there. We just don't think, okay, we've got a, a tall, 
somewhat strong striker. Let's just put balls in the box consistently and see if he can get ahead on a, a, a few. Yeah, he had a couple of chances yesterday, Benteke, without doubt, which he should have scored one or two. But we don't put in you know, what I would call volume crosses. So why we didn't yesterday, I have no idea. Again, I think it might be to accommodate Ayu possibly in the way he was trying to play. Uh, but again, you've got Benteke. You're not. You don't have Wolf. You've got to. Put, you've got to put more balls in the box. And I mean, I don't mean volume boxes. Like to put Paul Carthy under a lot of pressure. And we just didn't do it enough yesterday. I don't think. Anyway. No. I mean, we, we just had that little spell in the first half where it was Wan Bissaka as well. Got got through a couple of times. Again, had a had a very good game. And, and Mike, obviously, this was you know you you take that as Benteke's first chance, but the first arguably the first miss of his that was uh, in a position where, with hindsight, he perhaps should have scored. Uh, Wan-Bissaka gets through and, and McCarthy comes out to try and sort of, he just basically just flaps at the head, uh, at the, the cross, completely misses it. And Benteke heads about 10 yards wide when if he just sort of headed forward, it's it's basically heading the ball into an empty net. Um, and I suppose that's probably a good opportunity to start talking about the performance of Benteke and, and the chances he missed. I mean, in that you could arguably say he's, he's anticipated that the keeper's going to get a touch to it, as he perhaps should have done, but you know, the Benteke of, of two seasons ago puts that in, doesn't he? Well, I, I want to temper this first by saying that I'm sorry we're going to bore everyone with the same chat about Benteke um, that you hear on every podcast. But yeah, I mean, that was a that was a decent move, first of all. Um, that was, as you say, early in the game where Wan-Bissaka was playing on the overlap well, got the cross in. Um, it looked pretty bad from the other end. And then I've watched it back and... My God, I mean, it, it it was the first sitter, is what it was. Um, yeah. I mean, it it wasn't great defending. Um, let okay, let him jump up, and but it looked like the defender had sort of mistimed his jump. Um, but you'd think that if we'd have carried on doing that, he would have ended up getting one on target. Um, but that those kind of moves seem to dry up. I, I don't know if that's because. IU's um, fitness was was so poor that obviously he went off at sixty five minutes, but I don't know how how quickly he was starting to to tire. But it seemed like he was stretching the defenders, not in the same way that Zaha does, because you know he's going to have two people marked on him, and that gives Townsend extra space. That, that didn't happen so much, um, but that that sort of burst of energy sort of died a death after about half an hour. Um, I'm yeah. not really sure why. Well, let's let's get into the the Benteco stuff now. So, I'm just going to quickly scroll through my my little plan here, um, and I had him down at I think five or six misses. Um, so those, those we've talked about the first two. Um, da, 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 da. But here with me, so miss number three uh, in the second half, he gets put through uh, into the penalty area on his left foot. Um, if you remember, that's the one where McCarthy saves it and we end up with a bit of penalty area pinball where any one of about three people could have scored. But, you know, again, from the from the position, he's got a shot away. He's got it on target. Again, good that's save. not a sitter. Yeah, good, good, save, good save. Yeah, yeah. So he's got through. And then a little bit later on, number four, direct from a corner, completely free header, heads it massively over. And again, Shouldn't you have missed that. Yeah, that's yeah. And the first, at first, I thought, oh, look how high he's got up. It's just that little bit too high for him. It's unfortunate. That's what I thought of the game. Having seen it back in highlight form, he's just got his eyes shut, you know. It's cardinal sin if, you, if you're going up for a header, isn't it? If you shut your eyes, you don't know where you're putting the ball, do you? 
um, which is a real, real concern because if he just gets his eyes open and heads that looking into the net, that's that's an easy goal. And again, it's one he's scoring when he's when he's firing. Um, and there was yeah, I think there was a, there was a couple of other bits and pieces. Oh, of course, there was the one the. The one that Tholoth headed back for him, yeah. The Tholoth headed back and he headed it over. And it, well, headed it and then a good save. Again, three yards out, MacArthur makes a save. And the funny thing, Chris, just not to cut you off, but he had headed a couple of over. He finally heads one down and it gets saved. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's amazing. He finally hits one on target. He hits it down where he wanted to head it, and that's where McCarthy was. So, I mean, what are you going to well, do? I, I know they say head it down, but heading it down straight at the keeper I mean it's it's right. not going to work and I mean let's just have a quick word about the keeper because it was always going to happen he was going to have a good game yeah, I know he was. flat at that first one <laughs> um, but he had, he had a great game and really did yeah it was that was always going to happen wasn't it yeah when I spoke to uh, Aaron from Love Sport after the game it's the first thing he said to me because I'm in the middle of moaning about lack of changes lack of intent how slow we were and he's like, yeah, but their keeper had a blinder. <laughs> and I was like, well, I kind of just knew that that was going to happen, so I'd kind of filtered it out of my brain. Um, I do think the problem, the real problem with the Benteke miss where he heads it down and, and McCarthy saves it, um, I do think the biggest problem with that is the fact that he's two yards out and if he just prods yeah. it anywhere, yep. just anywhere, yep. that's it. You know? He's pretty much managed to head it down in the only place that, he, that he's not going to score. And people won't forgive that when you're on a run like Benteke's on. So after that game, I saw a lot of people, and I didn't say anything myself, but I saw a lot of people whose views I respect and often agree with say the same thing, which was, you know, for a while we've talked about the performance of Benteke being being, being okay and the fact that he's just low on confidence and not scoring goals. If you're looking at that game in isolation, he's getting himself into some great positions you know, he's won an awful lot of headers and his flick-ons were actually finding their target quite often. You could look at that and say, you know what? He had a bit of a nightmare in front of goal, but he's he's done all right. But when you actually look at it in the full context of how he's played for nearly a season and a half, well, yeah, I suppose a season and a bit, you know, there's a... He's, I'm getting closer and closer to just saying that the guy's shot. He's just, he's gone. He's He's a spent force. So, two, go- two goals from open play in 42 games. Yeah. How long does it go on for before you just sort of go, you know what, he's he's, he's not he's not, he's not going to get it back. He's not going to be, you know, 26, 27. Uh, he's gone the way of a few strikers before him. You know, I always I always compare you know, when, when Torres went from best striker in the world to championship level striker almost overnight. Um and it, it just feels like that. Patrick, your views? I'm just really frustrated. Um, I have been a back of his uh, all along. And um, like most people, um, I mean, I, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss right now. Uh, I wish we had an alternative. I really do. Uh, my frustration is that if we take him out, we've got a few alternatives. We've got to put Sola in there, who I do not rate and don't think he's ready to play. My perfect well not my perfect my best solution would be Wickham who's obviously not not fit if a fit Wickham would, would, would work for me right now so the only solution I can think of now is to go with what we did last year is to go if he's when he's healthy go with Wilf and uh, Townsend up front and then may put IU uh, in the midfield but I don't know I mean he needs a goal he needs a goal from any any anywhere now off his head 
off his arm that the referee doesn't see, a penalty where he slips and scores. He needs something. But right now, his confidence is totally shot and everyone's against him. So at this point, it doesn't matter what he does. It, no one's going to be happy because we lose and it's his fault. Uh, so at this point, I don't even, I'm at a total loss as to what to do about him. He had a chance yesterday. He should have definitely scored. And at this point now, I'm so frustrated. I'm not going to get on his case because that's for everybody else to do. That's fine. But I am frustrated. I, I feel, I honestly feel bad for him. I think he's really trying hard. I don't, I don't see him with a bad attitude. I don't see him not working hard. I think he wants to do well. I think the manager's totally backed him. The players are backing him. The fans really haven't. But it's just frustrating to watch because it's, it's, he should be scoring and he's not. And, and before I let you jump in, Mike, you know, I, I can't say what it is because I'll be betraying confidences. But I had, had something that Benteke did uh, earlier on in the season, but sort of behind the scenes, that it's just so. It sums up that he's he's a you know he's a player that he does care. You know he does he he doesn't feel that he is contributing the way he should be. He's frustrated himself. He's low, he is low on confidence, but he cares about this club and he cares about you know his his teammates and he cares about the supporters. And it's just really really sad to see him struggling like this. But you know sentiment's a great thing in football. You know, and and as Palace fans, we're always you know we're, we're generally speaking, if if you ignore Twitter, we're a very supportive bunch and we we stick with players. And we've shown that with Benteke in the past. I, I think we you know we've. Now, everyone was so happy for him in the back end of last season when he put that penalty away, even though he slipped while he did it. And I think, you know, we've we've shown him a back end. And I, and I do get frustrated with people who spend the game mouthing off at him because that isn't product. That's not, that's not achieving anything. However, um, you, you just can't, you just can't carry on. You know, you've, in my view, you've got to give, you've got to give Alex sort of a, a run in the side in the, again, as, as Patrick says, in the absence of, of Connor Wickham. You know, you, you you can't, and I'm kind of just drawn to the fact that there was a moment in the game where Max Mayer did an incredible piece of individual skill, and then Alex Serloff's touch directly afterwards just booted it straight out for a goal kick. Yep. Like, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I, he is, you know, he is the definition of a player who's not quite ready, and we're not sure. I'm not sure if he ever will be, but if you just stick him up there and play him for five five games in a row. Give Benteke a, a moment out of the spotlight. Just take it. You know, it's the only way you can manage that situation. Because at the moment, it's like a lamb to the slaughter. Uh, hope I haven't covered everything that you were going to say, Mike. Uh, no. Um, what I would say is, if we ever found ourselves in the championship next season, I reckon Soloff would be the best striker oh, ever. Oh, don't say that. Uh, no, I'm, I'm please, joking. Please. Um, <laughs> I, I noticed. I noticed something really subtle that was right right beneath me. Um, just in front of B block for that for that corner where he uh, headed over, um, he got the ball. He he was desperate. He, he ran and he he picked up the ball, threw it to Luca, and he just went. He just pointed at his head as if to say, "Get it on my head now!" And you could see like he was so stressed. He was so angry. He just wanted a chance. He, he felt that he hadn't been getting the service for the game. Um, he headed it over, obviously, um, but it, it was one of Luca's better deliveries because he didn't have a great. A great day with the dead balls, no, um, no. but then the moment that happened, the same. There's about there's about three or four guys a few rows back from me that are on his case, like really on his case. And I just wonder, with the sort of mob mentality you, you generally get at, at a game, I just wonder those people they they subconsciously sink into your head, and then you're like, yeah, he is rubbish, and yeah. then like. Everyone around us go, yeah, he, yeah, he's rubbish. And then it's like it only takes those those four guys 
for then there to be 400 people around him going onto his case. Um, and he can hear that because he's not far away. Um, so it, it, it was a really tough environment for him. I'm, I'm, you know, that's not a reason to stick up for him. I would say, again, he made a few a few decent setups. The one where MacArthur hit the bar, it was him that started the move. Yeah. But that's not enough for me. I'm, I'd, I'd be happy, to be honest, I'd be happy either going full free free or sticking eye up for I, I don't care. Something, just something different. Yeah, you know, bottom line is he's, it's not that he's just not, it's not that he's not playing well, you know, without without the ball or anything like that. It's all about the fact that basically now he is getting chances in every game and he just has not got the confidence or the wherewithal to actually finish any of them. And it's just getting worse every game. So we've yeah. got to change it up. Patrick? Yeah, and the thing is, uh, is that I've never, I've been a fan for a very, very long time. I've never seen a, a striker struggle this much who has that much quality. I've seen us have some really bad strikers who are just rubbish. I've never seen a player this good suffer for this long. I, I've never seen it. I mean, I've been a Palace fan since the early 70s, and I have never seen a Palace player. Swindlehurst going forward. I mean, Chris Armstrong, Ian Wright, Bright. I mean, just go through, 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 through. I've never seen a player struggle so much who's a quality, quality striker. For, like Mike said, a, a year on, he's got like three three goals. He's much better than this. So I just, I don't get what it is. I, I do think part of it is the system. system does not suit him, but that's not enough. You know, he, he gets chances and he's got a score. He's had a lot of bad luck, but he's just he just can't score a goal. And I do not understand it. It's very frustrating to watch. It really is. I feel, and I honestly feel bad for the guy. I really feel bad for him. I really do. Oh, yeah, just, just, just Sorry, just j- jump in and say that Terrence, Terrence put an amazing tweet out after the game saying that he just needs it. This is the Terrence from the preview pod. Um saying he just needs a year out in Thailand. I read it, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and then somebody, somebody replied saying he'd missed the flight. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> brutal, absolutely brutal. To, uh, to round off the, the Benteke chat, and this is some a couple of moments that I think really sum up where he is at the moment in terms of his confidence level and why he just, he just needs to come out of the team, out of the squad, and just spend a bit of time away. Not necessarily in Thailand, but... Uh, but just just somewhere somewhere else for a little bit. And it's the it's the penalty shouts and that I'm using inverted commas even though it's an hour or medium, you, you can't tell. But um so you've got Benteke initially he was sort of sandwiched between a couple of players chasing a Sacco long pass, sort of half heartedly looks for a penalty. And then there's another one where he's like shoulder to shoulder with Bertrand and he and he, and he goes to ground. And in both cases at the at the game I'm screaming for a penalty, having watched them back this is a big, strong striker. You know, this is this is a he's a big guy. He's six two. You know, he's very, very powerful, and he's going to ground the slightest of touches rather than trying to use his strength to actually get the ball and get himself a chance. And to me, that is that shows you everywhere, everything about where he is psychologically. It's all about just rather than than work at it and push it. He just wants the the easy option. You know, and that's and it's not a conscious thing; it's a subconscious thing, and, and I just think it shows, you know, what where where he is. Yeah, Chris, views on that. I'm watching uh over here. Tony Gale's doing the uh the com, and he's saying the first one was Westergaard took him down. He goes, "Why is a man that strong going down so easily?" Then he went down again. You said late one with Bertrand, and you're absolutely right because if he's in Liverpool, he gets penalty kicks. Those are penalties. He'll probably get those, but for Paris, he's never getting those. He's got to be stronger, and you can't defend that. 
that 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 he you're right he's so desperate to get something get anything for the team but that is just that was poor I mean I watched him I'm like you've got to stay on your feet Christian get on your feet get past him and score I will go back to that goal a hundred million times the goal he scored against Villa scored with Scott Dan what a goal that was he scored against us where is that player what happened to yeah. him it's like the guy's been transformed to Mars he's never coming back I mean that player was brilliant and we've got like a a, a poor clone of the of Christian Benteke it's do you think, so sad. Do you think we've got Jonathan Benteke you know what you yes just... I think someone's got their uniform and no one told us <laughs> there you go there you go where is he where is Jonathan Benteke he's older actually I think yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yep older yeah I think he's got a similar goal record as well no look it was I'll tell you, the Bertrand one was the worst one because when you watch it, Fenteke puts his shoulder into Bertrand and you're like, yes, mate, yeah, that's it. Push him, get, you know, fight him. But he puts his shoulder into Bertrand and then just falls to the floor. But then Chris, later on, he does that, falls, gets up and wins the ball. Do you notice that? He did one later on, he fell down and got up. So he knew it wasn't working. He knows he shouldn't do it. (laughs) He goes, okay, I'll stay on my feet this time. And won the ball and then created something. I'm like, come on, Christian, man, you got no better than that. Stay on your feet. I mean, come on. Uh, just a quick couple of moments uh, to, to mention in the first half, and we'll, we'll move this quickly on because uh, we've we've covered a lot of the talking points I had anyway. Uh, there was a moment where Hennessy makes an absolutely excellent save as Luca, obviously frustrated, is not having an effect in a positive sense, decides uh, to attempt what? a diving header into his own <laughs> into his own net. <laughs> Fantastic skill, brilliant yeah, header, brilliant. and uh, a great save from from Wayne, absolutely <laughs> top class. Uh, but yeah, Luca's Luca's struggled, hasn't he, guys? Let's face it, he's not. He's he's having some issues clearly. Um, I think there were some issues around the national team, weren't there? So, um, but he's he's not the player he was last season, and uh, he's, he's he's really struggling in there to have an effect. You mentioned earlier, Mike. Obviously, his um, his dead his uh, dead ball delivery was was a little bit poor. You know what, what's that? What's happened? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm. I honestly think it's it's Kabai not being there more than anything else. I, I, I really can't see Luca being the kind of man that's going to let issues with the national team totally overrun him. Um, I, I think he's more hard mentally than he is physically, um, and that probably says something. Um, I mean, the, the dead balls, it, it certainly said something that right at the end, PVA took them. Um, so he obviously didn't feel confident to start running over for the corners and just let PVA carry on. Um, so he, he knew, he knew that he wasn't having a great day. Um, and at, at the very least I can say that that's the sort of self-consciousness that I would expect. You know, if, if you're having a bad day, then you let someone else take it. You don't just yeah. arrogantly carry on. Um, I think at the moment until they've got, until they've got Max, uh, in, in midfield, I think he's going to struggle. I, I, I it looks bad on him, but I, I really think it's more what's happening around him than anything else. I, I think he'll come good again once once the tactics have been sorted. Yeah, I think what concerns me the most is when a player, particularly when they're overhitting corners, that, that when yeah. you, if, I'm sure you guys have all have all kicked a ball. Um, if you're if you're anxious, that's that tends to be what happens. Yeah, you just you you put that little bit extra in. Yeah, he um, kicked one into touch, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's literally straight over everybody, straight or straight out for a throw in, and it's that's anxiety in there, and that shows that he's not comfortable on the pitch, and he's not he's not playing well. 
Um, so a little bit of a concern there. Of course, he does actually get our only shot on target in the first half, which was so weird. You had uh, the ball into Townsend in the area, and you just think Townsend's going to get it onto his left foot and get a strike away. But he sort of cuts back and then tries to play the ball with a little, little flick backwards and ends up smacking it <laughs> about 15 yards back to Luca, who hits a lovely first-time volley, unfortunately, just straight at McCarthy. And, you know, that's really our only our only dangerous moment of that first half beyond the uh, couple of misses from Benteke, where he's he's missed him to such an, ex- an extent that they don't really feel like chances. And, you know, we get in a half-time and it's just poor. And look, let's not, let's not try and make out that this is Palace fans going, Overboard, you know. Roy Hodgson said the same thing. It was poor. We played poor for an hour without doing anything about it. So, you know, more, obviously we get back into the the, cat, the 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 discussion of well, we go in at half time. We got away with it. Let's face it. We got away with a really poor forty five minutes. So we start the second half, and we we started it the same tactically, the same personnel. What are we expecting? Why why are we expecting it to be any different? And you, you and the qu- the answer to that's got to be, Patrick, that, that Roy's must have said something to the team about how they're performing and he's expecting a, a response, but he doesn't get one, does he? Not not at all. I mean, to the point that, you know, a minute into the half, Ing scores a goal when it seemed that would have back forward totally sleeping. So again, it it's frustrating to watch when you know, we as fans watch a match see what's going on and say, okay, let's make a change here. You send out the side, like you said, the same exact way and getting the same result. Like you, I mean, I've heard you last week on the podcast, the phrase is, it's a fool does the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And that's what, that's what Hodgson needs to do. He's expecting something to change when you're doing the same thing over and over again. It's not going to change. You've got to change something formation-wise, uh, uh, substitution-wise. He doesn't, and it costs us, you know, costs us the goal early in the second half. Yeah, I often think about the the team talks at half time. There, and you think, you know, Mark Hughes's team talks easy because <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. what I mean, all he's got to say is, "Well, guys, we've we've turned up here. Yeah, Zaha's not playing. They're not playing. They don't seem to know what they're doing. Eventually, you've played really, right. really well. Yep. You know, you've played well. And all you guys need to do is just up it a bit, up that tempo a little yeah. bit, and away you go. You know, but Roy's got to go in there and say." Guys, that was shit. <laughs> you know, that was absolutely <laughs> awful. You know, sort your, sort yourselves out for the love of God. Start making some space out wide. Stop trying to play through the middle all the time. Stop trying to be, you know, over fancy. Get your foot on the ball. Support each other. Up that tempo. Put some pressure on the opposition. And we came out like it just said, ah, you're right, carry on, guys. And something will probably, uh, something will probably happen. <laughs> you know, off you go. Uh, I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure he, you know, he's he's an experienced manager. I'm sure he's tried his absolute best to motivate them. And I'll be honest, it concerns me when you when you have a a half time break and you see no response to a poor performance. It worries me. Fortunately, it is. Let's call it what it is. It's it's a game. It's one game. You know, arguably you could say similar about Watford, but and I I do feel that it was the same at Watford, but not everyone agrees with me. So let's say it's one game. Um, so there's no point going mad about it. But if we see that repeatedly, that's when you start worrying about whether or not the manager has the full backing of the team that's out there and that they understand the message that's being given. Patrick? But Chris, I, I have an uh, interesting a, a thought just what you were saying about um, Hodgson and the reaction. And we've spoken in the past in previous uh, shows about leadership on our team. Now, we all see Lucas struggling and he's the captain. If he's struggling, you know, now you look for other leaders on the field. Who do we have? You know, there's no Scott Dan out there. There's no punching. 
there's no Damo, there's no Julian Speroni. I mean, think about it. You've got Sacco. You know what I mean? We don't seem to have, we've had discussion in the past, we don't seem to have a lot of leaders out there, especially, really especially when, when things are like di- they are now, when they're dire, when you just said, you need a rocket from someone at halftime to really get into the play. It's not going to be the manager fighting. Let's let the captain get into them. Maybe Luca does, maybe he does. I have no idea, obviously. But where are the leaders, leaders where we can say, you know, okay, I'm sure so-and-so at halftime really got into them. Puncher was on the bench. Maybe Puncher might have said something. I don't know. But we, we lack that. At times, time, we need, to, we need leaders to step up. When I just don't see it. Well, it's been, it's been well documented that Roy sees Wilf, funnily enough, as a, as a leader, leader in the squad as well. So it's not just his talent we miss. I'm sure he'd have, he'd have had a real moan at half-time exactly. uh, playing in that game as well. So, look, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, there is, there's a question of leadership. Look, you know, Coyote's new to the squad. He is a, he is a strong presence. He's but, a captain, right? You know, again, he's, country, right? But he's, again, he's, he's new to the squad, so he's not going to be the one that's going to going to tear him apart or anything like that but you're right you know it does fall on Luca's shoulders and if you're struggling as a as a captain you know it can your words can sort of feel that little bit hollow yep. with other people if you're if you're struggling yourself so I think you've hit the nail on the head and I don't really know what the answer is other than to have Scott Dan fit and obviously Tompkins is, is a leader as well Absolutely, isn't he yeah, so, Tompkins definitely you know, yep. he's missing, so missing you're, yeah. you're right we've we've probably we're missing key players not just for their abilities but for what they bring in terms of leadership, so I think you're probably right there. Um, that's a that's a good reason why we're why we struggled quite so badly as we did against Southampton. Uh, you mentioned the goal, obviously, Patrick, which was uh, I just don't know what to make of it. it it's a punt forward. I, I'm looking at Sacco, and he has ducked under it, but it looks like both him and the the Southampton player who injures himself, uh, which was was it long. I think yeah, it was it was long. Long. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the both both of them seem to get the trajectory of the ball completely <laughs> wrong. Yeah, they're nowhere near it. So then you've got Martin Kelly, and you know, from watching it in the stands, I'm just, I'm thinking, okay, well, Kelly's got this, yep. and then it, then it, then it looked as if someone just got hold of his legs. <laughs> exactly. Or <I'll laughs> well, they, or the, yeah, or the communication in his between brain and legs just disappeared <laughs> because yeah. he yeah. just kind of just he froze. Um, and then all of a sudden it's at the feet of Danny Ings. And you can see this is what happens when you get a disruption to the centre-back pairing because Wayne doesn't have the he – can, he can see that Kelly's struggling. Yep. So he, he comes out – and I've got no criticism for him for, him the, for the first goal because nope. he, has to, he has to come out where he does. Uh, and it's a, it's a good finish from Ings. But, you know, that – it's awful from a defensive point of view, Patrick. It's just not acceptable, is it? It's terrible. <laughs> it's it's route one. It's championship football, and a player with Martin Kelly and Mamadou Sakho's experience, they just can't let that happen. And uh, like you just said, Kelly seemed to have like a brain freeze at the wrong moment, or his body wouldn't move. And it seems to have to just clear that ball, and he didn't. And you're right, Hennessy did all he could do. I mean, we know he's not the most commanding uh, goalkeeper, but he did all he could do. He came out, he saw Kelly in trouble, and uh, Ings got there and, and scored a, a goal. And that's why, honestly. Despite the money, I would have loved to have got Ings in because Ings is the kind of player we could really use right now because he's a he's a he's a goal scorer. He's a guy that as long as he's not injured, he will always score a goal because he'll score a goal like that one yesterday. He just will. Yeah. Shame. So many people slagged Shame. Palace off, didn't they, when they were yep. like, Oh, why are we linked with Ings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's I'm not why. sure that we ever, I'm not sure we ever were That's true. going to be in for him because obviously the deal I believe Southampton had done from what was said on the preview show was Alone with an obligation to buy exactly. for six million exactly. Whoa! <laughs> so you know, I, I, I'm in, in all honesty, I'd have liked us to have been in for him, but I don't think the finances are there nah. to support that kind of deal, which is a shame. 
but when you look at the fact, you know, would I rather have Max Mayer or Danny Ings? I'd rather have Max Mayer, you know, that sort of thing, uh, if I'm completely honest. But, you know, it does show you the value of having a, a striker who can put the ball in the back of the net, um, even if even if it was down to some absolutely appalling defending. Mike, uh, obviously Martin Kelly's in there as cover. We respect him as cover. But, uh, you know, you can see from his own personal reaction when he went gallivanting up the pitch trying to get a goal back straight, straight afterwards, he knew he'd done wrong. Yeah, it was a mistake from both of them, definitely. But the worry for me um, is that similarly to the first Watford goal, the space that was available and the openness, and it, you know, it looked like we were chasing the game, like you know, the kind of situation you'd find yourself in if you're one nil down, um, and you know, caught on the break. It was so easy, um, and it would be fucking don't that sorry swearing again. It would it would be Danny Ings to knock it in, um, but it it's totally unacceptable that he's left in that position in the first place. Really. Um, it could be that him and Hennessy don't have quite the communication that, that him and Tompkins do, fair enough. Um, you'd think that he must have called Sacco out to leave it, but I'm not sure that's the case. I, I think it was just total comedy of errors. Um, and the fact that that's happened in those two games, considering it hadn't happened, those kind of goals had stopped after, you know, after Chungi's ridiculous mistake against Burnley last season. I thought that thing, those sort of things were behind us. Um, uh, all I can say is I was back late from uh, from the bar at half time, and gladly I missed it. So I, I <laughs> well played. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't didn't swear quite so much, but I just heard the ground go totally silent, and then someone went, "Oh, we're one nil down," mm. and then and then a guy near me was just like, oh, "I'm going to have another drink." Um, <laughs> I honestly, I'll say, I think I had my head in my hands for the longest I've ever had it a game. I just I watched what happened and I was because I was so convinced that that Kelly was there and the ball he was just going to clear it to actually then see the ball at Ings's feet and then roll it into the and him roll it into the net I just I think my hands went up onto my head and it took a full fifteen minutes for him to come back down again I was but, absolutely I mean, distraught even so he, he really shouldn't have been put in that position in the first place he was probably a little bit shocked no, it, it, it wasn't you know it was it was poor play he should have got hold of it. Um, but other games, we it wouldn't have happened in the first place. No, no, very, very disappointing. Um, and as as we talked about earlier, only then did we start playing with any urgency. And we, we've talked about why that is. So I won't won't go over old ground. But it's so frustrating to see. And let's face it, we've all watched a lot of football. We've seen it a number of times like in in the past, where all of a sudden a goal wakes you up and you start playing. And you think, why, why now? Why couldn't you play like this? At the very, very start of the match, when you, you know, we absolutely laid siege to Southampton. You know, obviously Jimmy Mack straight away hits the top corner, and you know, really is the top corner. And unfortunately, it's just that fraction too high uh, with a shot. And you're just thinking, you know, that move was so simple to actually get MacArthur in there in space that we should, we could and should have done that repeatedly throughout the course of the game, but we didn't. And you know, you know, you're having one of those games when it hits the hits the bar and comes out. You know, and we're still struggling. You know, Long had a, had a had a real chance from a from a header, and this is Shane Long. He's not he's not tall. You know, what I mean, he's, he doesn't score that many headers, but he's managing to stand between two centre backs and have an um, you know uh, a header in the six yard box, completely unmarked. So clearly, the problems are still there despite conceding. 
you know. Then we start getting into the into the misses, and I suppose the next major talking point was uh, Basaka handball yellow card. <laughs> having seen it back at the time, I was living, Mike. But having seen it back, he may be a little lucky to get away with staying on the pitch. I'm not sure. I mean, again, live um, wasn't wasn't quite sure what was going on. Watched it back on the replay. I'm not quite sure what he's doing. Whether he's just had a, a moment of like, it seems like he's not in control of his body for a second. Um, but yeah, I think he probably is. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was he was in a very strange position as well. Um, I, I think he probably is quite quite lucky not to have ended up with his second red card in three games. Um, but uh, I don't think anyone can blame him um, for, for for that really. A penalty saved from Wayne, though, Patrick. I did not expect that, I'll be honest. No, uh, listen, uh, I've seen better penalty kicks taken in my honesty. But um, listen, that's his first save, uh, I think, of eight at the Premier League for Palace. So good for him. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame it didn't, uh, you know, push us forward to get the, the you know, the time goal. But again, it was a, it, it's nice to see him make a penalty save. Because we all know that between him and Julian, neither one of them are very good at penalty saves. So good for him. Yeah, that was good. And then obviously... Mike touched on it earlier on. We're just thinking, right, we've got we've got the impetus. We're on the front foot. We're creating stuff. We've got to make some changes here because, you know, Schlupp was still a passenger. Uh, but the first sub, it was Townsend off and Coyote on. And I'll be honest with you, at that point... Why? Why? I just... I just I felt like going home. <laughs> exactly. I really did. I was just like, what are you doing? We, we got to get back in this game. Townsend, he might not have been having the most effective of games, but... That isn't the right change, <laughs> you know. Okay, be fair, Coyote did very well when he came on, and it, and it was a sort of shift of of the system and, and different personnel in different places, if you like. But yeah, come on, you know, Patch, you, you know, you say you just think, what was the thinking there? Uh, I I don't know. Again, you're absolutely right. I thought Coyote did very well when he came on, but I would have thought just take off Schlup. Right, was still on the field. Right, wasn't Schlup still on the pitch at that point? Yep. Right, take yeah. him off. You tell him then to just get balls in the box of Benteke. Just, just overload it, overload it. And at some point, bring Soloth on, which he did, and keep putting balls in the box because that's other way we're probably going to get real chances uh, short of, you know, my or something. So I didn't understand that change one bit. It didn't make any sense to me. But like I said it, like I said before earlier in, in, in the show, I kind of, this is, this is kind of how I know Roy is. So he'll do things I don't quite understand. I can't go crazy because I've seen it so many times for England. Now again, Harry Kane on corners. I mean, that's all you got to say. Um, so I don't, I, I don't get too upset, but it, that was frustrating. But just quickly on, on Townsend, by the way, and I know he really works hard, but I've got to see more from him end product wise. I know last week he had that great shot last week against Watford that almost scored, but he's got to score goals because without Wilf, you know, I mean, PB's got more goals than he had in the last in the last year. He's got to score more goals. And I know it's it's tough to he's playing really hard and playing well getting subbed out when he shouldn't get subbed out. But he's got to score because if without Benteke scoring, he's got to produce. Because I'm thinking in the midfield, who else is going to score goals? Lucas having a bad patch. Macca's hitting posts and hitting crossbars and not scoring. Townsend's got to score more goals for me. He just has to. Has to. It's uh, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I was Patrick, you saw the Swansea game as well. You were yeah. able to see that. Um, he changed the game. He, he, changed, was, he, changed he played. The game. We're saying it's Terence was saying it at the game, and yeah. he came on and played quality. like Eden Hazard. Yeah, his quality was, was, he was, he was playing as a ten, as, a, <laughs> as an actual ten, just, yeah. just tearing them apart. He just they couldn't get the ball off him. 
he's such a talent, but you're right. They just needs to deliver that little bit extra in terms of that, that final end product. And it goes is it. It's and exactly I'm, what you're saying. And Chris, about. I'm telling you, that's why he's went unknown so many times at Spurs and why he can't get back at England squad. If he was, if he could score goals and create more goals, he played for England without a doubt. Cause England would die for a player like him. But I can see why he's always, always gone alone and gone and changed clubs because it's just, just that one thing missing. It's been out throughout pretty much his whole career, his end product. It's just, not end product, just goals. Can he create chances? It's goals. He's got to score more goals from a player like, as good as he is. Yeah, and obviously that, that doesn't matter if the rest of your team's scoring, but when, but when you're not. It's, it's, that's uh, the it, thing. It really, that's the Benteke really thing does. right now. If, if other players are playing, we're scoring. We wouldn't care about Benteke, but because we're not scoring, it's all about Benteke not scoring. So Yeah. I mean, look, as as you mentioned in that, it was the, the most frustrating point about taking Townsend off was you know five minutes later on when we bring on uh, bring off Schlapp and bring off uh, <laughs> and, on, and on comes Surloff. You're thinking two massive <laughs> massive centre forwards. No, you want to hit him with some crosses, right? Oh, hold on a second. We haven't got anyone left. You can do that. Uh... Um, Mayer did his best best to put balls in the box, and there was I think very early on after he came off the bench. Uh, he sort of just chipped one out, you know, just a little shift of the feet and chipped a left-footed ball into the area, which uh, very nearly resulted in a chance. I'm just thinking, you know, what what a talent that kid is to be able to do that. But, you know, we had a we had a moment as well after they came on where, you know, we'd been putting a lot of pressure on. And, there, and to me, there was a clear handball and we should have been given a penalty as Benteke was flicking it to Mayer. Do you remember that one, Mike? Do you see it? Yeah, I mean, even on the replay, when I watched it back, it, it did look as though... It probably should have been a penalty. I didn't have a lot of time to react, but I would have thought that it probably Var. should have been. VAR. VAR, exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, although VAR might have meant uh, wan off. Yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to be careful what you wish for. But again, that was disappointing for that not to be given and not bit, you know, not, not much made of it, really. Um, but, you know, look, we're putting so much pressure on. And obviously, Mike, you mentioned... Um, that their first goal was like when you're one nil down and you're pushing for a goal and you get a break on. Well, that's exactly what happened, isn't it? By the end there, loads of pressure on and all of a sudden a couple of passes, they're free down the left-hand side. And this is where, unfortunately, I do have to say that that Wayne is too quick to come off his line there Uh, because if he stays back, it's it's a very difficult chance to finish, isn't it? From, uh, is it Holberg who scores it? Um, but ultimately, we have been caught with a sucker punch. Can't complain about it too much because you know we we made it hard for ourselves in the first place. But obviously, game dead at that point. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't really give a toss whether it was one nil or two nil. Um, it was exactly the break that you saw coming. Really, um, I've, I think in general, Hennessy had a another really decent game, um, and it, I thought it was a toss up between him and MacArthur, who were probably the, the best players. Um, you know, when you bring everyone forward like that, it's not a big surprise. It was it was a kick in the teeth and it was probably unwarranted because even though they were the better side, they weren't, you know, if you can see two to that side, you're going to be pretty annoyed with yourself. Yeah. Uh, and Patrick, how much do we? How much significance do we place on the fact that we have lost 2-0 to a side that were struggling, you know, really were struggling? You know, is, is this... Should we try and look at the positives and say that this will hopefully be a wake-up call? We've got a uh, an international break to fix it. And, you know, we should look at the positives of people like Mayer, who, who's fit now, and Coyote making a difference. And this is an ideal opportunity for, and perhaps an excuse for Roy to say to the players that 
aren't performing well you know i've given you a chance and you haven't taken it so it, these are the guys that are going to come in and take your place that's what competition for places is about so are we can we look at this and take those positives or, or you're worried get back to me in two weeks <laughs> no, uh, no um you have to look at i mean listen <laughs> i can't live my life being overly negative too much it's not good for my heart but um you have to look at you have to look at the positives and say to yourself listen it was an awful performance yesterday. Southampton, not very good. They're going to struggle. And we probably will too if we continue that. But look, if, 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 the, if, if what comes out of this is the following. Okay. If I see um, Kriate and Maya start the next match and the change in the formation against Huddersfield, I'll be, I'll be like, okay, at least the last three weeks or four weeks wasn't all in vain. If I see the exact same lineup come out, let's say Wolf is fit, which he won't be. So let's say I use us again. And we're with the same four four two next against Huddersfield in two weeks, and we play like we did against Southampton. I'm be very very frustrated. So my thing is, we've got two weeks off with the with the break. I'd like to see a rejigging of the midfield for sure because it's been poor the last two matches. I'd love to see a uh, a change up front with Benteke giving a break. But again, I don't know for whom. Is it Ayu? Is it Sawlot? Is it a another? I don't know how he works that. You know, as far as changing up, but we've got to figure something out. But again, if 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 like in last year when we had bad matches, Roy did make changes and we we bounced back. I'll be happy. But if it's the same old, same old in two weeks, I'll be very very upset. It's a waste of two. It's going to be a waste of the last two weeks for me. Sure, and Mike, if you were a better man, you know, would you be expecting changes for the Huddersfield game after the break, or what are you expecting from Roy? It's Hodgson. Be careful. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really tough. I I think he probably will make a change. Yeah. Um, if if we drive all the way up there and we lose 1-0 with a oh, goal in the 89th minute. Oh, God. Maybe, oh, God. Um, yeah, I, I honestly think, you know, he's, he's not deaf. Um, he could hear the frustration. Everyone wanted uh, Max to start. And I think Karate looks like he's fit. So I, I'd be surprised if he sticks with the same side again. You know, I'd... I don't see him drastically changing keepers. Maybe don't even see him changing formation. But I, I would have thought that he's probably going to leave Schlupp out because he had a totally ineffectual game, um, and he must have seen that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, he struggled against struggled at left back against Swansea as well. So I was actually quite surprised to see him yeah. see him start. Having said that, you know, he has played by playing that game against Swansea even for, for the hour or so, you know, we could maybe argue that he's going to be a little bit more tired than the other players. I don't know. I'm trying to, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because I do like him as a player and I think he adds a, a lot of versatility to the squad. But again, I go back to point I made at the top, really, just to sort of round it off, which was I can't help but look at a performance like that and just think, keep it simple, play your best players and, and play a system that suits them. And, you know, we won't be having these conversations, but football is never, ever, ever that simple. You know, when you've got a man as experienced as Roy Hodgson um, managing your team, you've probably got a better chance than many of actually making the best of your squad, you know, and it's just, a, you know, it's not perhaps as simple as, as the supporters see it. Having said that, you know, let's not play that game where we say that the supporters don't know what they're talking about. We watch our teams every single week. Uh, we microanalyze everything. Yes. Which is not always healthy, <laughs> but we do. Uh, you know, we probably end up watching the games back. Oh, I certainly know you do, Patrick. You're worse than I am. Too many times. Watch, watch the games back mate, way too much. Way too uh, much. Yeah, way too much. You know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Look, very disappointing result. Um, 
look, uh, let's get to a little bit of contact just to to round that up. And I've been going for you might have sort of heard the sound of a, a video launching off of Facebook while I was trying to look for some comments. So apologies if you did hear that earlier on. Uh, Adam Shears got in touch, and he, he what he wanted us to talk about today was a convincing home win. <laughs> they just put never mind. Thanks for that. Adam. <laughs> um, we have covered these other talking points, which was. Uh, about Coyote and Luca, although we did ask interestingly whether or not Luca needs a rest after coming back too quickly from the World Cup, which we didn't talk about. Do you think a rest would uh, would, would do it, Patrick? I, I think it's worth uh, thinking about. I think I think as a captain, you're gonna have to talk to him, and if that break, but I, but you know what? If he sits the captain, I, so many things are gonna come out about negatively. I just think it's not even worth even going there. Just leave him in there and make him fight through it. Sure. Uh, Harvey Jones, Mike, you can answer this one. He said, are we all reacting, overreacting just a little bit? Only four games in. Let's just chill out a bit. Palace and frustration go hand in hand. Always have throughout our history. Well, yeah, but I mean, if we'd have won 2-0, we'd have probably been like absolutely waxing lyrical about how amazing everything was. So, <laughs> um, you know, if, if, if we do go down to a performance like that, which... Uh, one of my mates after the game described as the worst game since the last time we played Southampton. Exactly. At home. Uh, we, exactly. You know, I, I don't think it's hyperbole to be to be going on a, about things being not too great. Um, it do, doesn't doesn't mean we're saying things of dire and Hodgson should go. I mean, we're not you know we're not talking like Arsenal fans that just want a different manager all the time and that kind of stuff. Um, just just the frustrating changes that everyone could see really. Yeah, uh, good answer to that one. Um, there's a debate there between Matt Watson and Harvey about scouting. I don't think we'll delve into that one just yet. Uh, Matt asking, is it at the end of the road for Benteke in the starting eleven, and have we been patient enough? And I think we covered that, and uh, I think we're certainly heading towards the, the former rather than the latter on that one. Uh, Richard Evans wondering if Wilf was ever out for any length of time with the other players adapt to playing without him. Doesn't look like it. Not yet. Mark Vincent saying that the performance was as flat as the atmosphere. Does Roy know his best 11 and how do we fix the striker problem? Good questions. No, don't know. <laughs> no. Roy doesn't know his best 11 and how do we fix the striker problem? Well, we, we talked about that and I'm not sure we we know at the moment, certainly with the, the lack of, of options available in Connor Wickham, uh, which, which might have helped. And we'll talk about the atmosphere just before we finished. Uh, Alan Smith asking what is happening with Connor Wickham. Uh, injured, obviously. Matt Mitchell saying, are we getting bullied by weaker teams? That's an interesting point, actually, gents. Were we were we bullied? I felt we were very passive. Um, but I don't necessarily think... I thought against Watford we were subject to some physical play that we didn't really cope very well with. But Southampton weren't really physical, were they, Patrick? I don't think we were bullied. No, but I I am noticing of uh, the midfield is is not you know standing up to things I like to see him stand up to as far as tackles etc. So I think that point about being bullied, I think you could kind of say our midfield in particular has not done very well. I think as far as that physical play, I don't think last two three matches. So I've just noticed Paul Gaskin sent a message saying, my nine-year-old threw some trash at the bin, missed and said, I did a Benteke. Is it time to start slow? <laughs> very, amusing, very amusing, Paul. <laughs> funny. Um, funny. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is slightly heartbreaking as well, as well as being funny, but there we go. Uh, while I'm checking a, a little bit on Facebook to see if I've got anything to uh, 
to add um guys i do want to talk a little bit about the atmosphere obviously difficult for you to tell on tv although i don't know if you've noticed a difference patrick absolutely um one of the things that nbc sports did and has done because rebecca lowe the host is a palace supporter they always focus on the hf because you know of you know what they've created in the past with the typhos and everything else and the last i mean the, 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 we haven't had a game on on live on there except for the Liverpool game, the Monday night game. And it's obvious that the atmosphere looks it, it looks totally different. You could you could always hear the HF. They'd always would focus on them. You could you could see it. I've been to matches and you know there and I know that you know they lead the drumming and they lead the singing and if you don't sing what they want to sing you get drowned out. But I just don't it, the atmosphere to me looks flat as all heck. And I gotta believe you know, you guys are both are there. You've got to believe it, it, it permeates throughout the stadium. It just doesn't. It doesn't look or sound good at all. And I'm very disappointed in what's going on with that. It's 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 just really bad to see. It really is. Yeah, there there was a moment in the in the second half when we were putting pressure on, where we actually got close to being loud. Okay. And just and just for a moment, whereas in the Arthur, I, don't, I couldn't really tell what it was like in the Homestead, but just for a moment, it felt like being at a Palace game but literally for five minutes. Right, exactly. And I was like, oh, this is, this is great. But people don't really know what to do anymore. Um, but Chris, away games sound fine, don't they? Yeah, well, away, away games, games are fine. But yeah, it's, they just it's seem a, so much different. It's a different selection of people. So the people that go away will know this. There, there are obviously, there's a floating support around, you know, about 60% of it is a, is a floating support. But 40%, I would say, and I, that's just a, a rough guess, are... People who just go every week, no matter what, right? Um, I used to be, I used to be one of those. I go go to a lot of aways now, just not every single one. Um, but you know, they're the same faces. You know them. You you hear them every time. They they don't need the the you know a group to tell them how to sing because they've been doing it for you know twenty years. Exactly. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 You know I mean, that's but but that's why when you look, this is why atmosphere is such a weird topic because when you look. At every team in the Premier League, generally speaking, unless you count the Huddersfield Clappers, home teams make no noise and the away nope. support's the loudest. Yep. You know, and that's it's always been that way. And the Absolutely. reason people paid attention to us is because we bucked that trend by having the HF. Um, and they, you know, again, the HF themselves would, 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 would hold their hands up and say that they're not everything. They're not, but they, they gave a direction and a unity to the support that people could get behind. Exactly. You know, and, and a whole collection of songs that they could people could could sing and sing with pride that you know that the other that they were not necessarily unique because it was it all came from the sort of ultra culture if you like it, it but we had this identity if you like and that's why it's that's why the club are making statements and coming out and talking about it because it is a problem you know and the only way to get that back is for the supporters as a as a whole, and I don't mean you know I don't mean a handful of individuals who who sort of decide that it's their you know their right to sort it out. I just mean all all of us collectively just take a bit of responsibility over it and just say you know what 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 is it that we want? You know what well if we when we weren't around over the last ten years or so, and we talked about how proud we were to be Palace fans and how we make noise and all that sort of stuff, did we mean it? Or were we just taking credit for other people's work? That's what I would say. Because <laughs> if you meant it, then you'd want you'd want to support that. Exactly. And the message that went back to the to the club, as is clear in their statement, and I know for a fact it's the same from the HF side. The 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 message that went back to the club is that people were so concerned about their own seats that they didn't want to acknowledge that there might be a better way to do things. 
Um, they wanted they wanted things just to carry on as they were. When the truth is, the HF felt that their their situation was dying. But again, be, you know, because of where they were positioned. Right. Now let's go back. But let's go back to what the club has said. It's not just about the HF. It is about a singing section, and it's even more important now when you're talking about safe standing has finally got you know, something of a green light almost. And you're talking right. about redevelopment of the stadium. Now is the time to to sort of pull together and sort this out, surely. But what we've ended up with is a situation where, again, I go back to what I said the other week. I think both parties went into it with the best of intentions, but we've ended up with a with an impasse and a falling out because people who, you know, because people on a message board have said, I don't think I should have to move because of the HF, when that's not what was being asked. Exactly. It was, do you want a singing section? Do you think this will be better? If the answer is no, you don't. You want to sit in the same seat you've always sat and you don't want to be affected by it. People were getting thrown out against uh, against Southampton. I know that for a fact. There were a couple of people thrown out for standing in, in, in Block E, funnily enough. Oh, wow. Um, and <laughs> that, that's, that's so far away from where yeah. we should be. But if we're, we're headed down that route, if people want to sterilise Sellers Park, carry on as you are, because that's what's going to happen. And you'll have no one to blame but yourselves. you know. But if a, as a group of fans, we can all pull together and all see what's best for the club, uh, that'd be lovely. But I, I don't know if that's ever going to be true. Chris, I don't well, know if you're ever going to get that. Chris, well done. That's too rambling to one show, by the way. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe we can re-edit that one. <laughs> Mike, you've had your hand up for ages, mate. Sorry. That's all right. Um, I just wanted to say, first of all, uh, Aaron on Instagram asked that we, we chat about the HF. And we did chat about it uh, for about 15 or 20 minutes on Love Sport on Thursday. Um, it went into quite a lot of detail. So if you want to skip the rest of the the preview for the Dyer match and listen to that, it is an interesting chat. But um, yeah, in the homestyle, I mean, it, it is quieter. There's, there's no question. Um, but at some points there was people going, is this a library? You know, is this the Emirates? you know, are their own fans. And first of all, I think the main thing that's happened is we've now got quite a divisive culture going on yeah. where there's there's a blame coming from people towards other people. Um, and then, as you touched on there, um, people taking credit for something that they've had nothing to do with anyway. Um, you know, you can say, oh, I'm a singer and the people around me aren't. Well, you still are right now and you're still singing right now, but the HF are missing, and that's what's causing the difference. You know, everything else would stay as it was. The the people that are there that, that are not singing are not going to sing. I'm not the loudest person. I, most The most loud things that come out of my mouth is probably the C words, uh, when we've missed the chance or something like that. Um, you know, not everyone wants to sing, um, but at the same time, the people that do can't think that they're somehow superior to the people that don't want to. Um, and it's a change of atmosphere is what's happened. Um, the, the whole debate around what's happened between the two the two of them is probably not worth bringing up again. As I say, we brought it up on Love Sport. But right now, I think making things more divisive and accusing people of not doing what you want them to is is just totally wrong because somebody's paid money to come and watch a football game. If they don't want to... If they don't want to sing, if they don't want to shout, that's fine. I mean, obviously, the club, as they've alluded to in their statement this afternoon, just before we came on air, it's great timing, um, have tried to keep back the season tickets for the, for that area where the HF were, which I think is very wise because then you can say, well, 
you know, you can have it back. It might be that they were so late offering them that people haven't took them up. But I think they've probably made a conscious decision to try and keep the place open so that they'll sell single tickets. Um, and obviously that area is quiet because these people have come for a game. You know, they're football fans, they're Palace fans, and they've got every right to, to be as quiet as they want. Um, so this kind of pressure that you're just singing, this is a library, is just... You know, it's not going to help the fans. It's not going to help the players. It was loud at points. But at the same time, we were absolutely rubbish. So it's not going to be the loudest game. If we're 2-0 up, then you're going to hear more stuff. But this has now become a normal 25,000, 24,000 people making a noise. And when it comes to the away fans, if you're watching on TV and if you're making comments about what you heard on TV, well, it's... It's rigged that way. They've got microphones by the away fans because they want to hear them when they score. It might sound like the away fans are louder. Believe me, I didn't hear anything from Southampton. I I heard a little bit right at the end when we were all walking out and they were singing that single song that they've got. But they weren't weren't loud. So just because you hear it on the TV, it, it doesn't mean that that represents the reality of what's happened. All of the cameras are above in the half away, up in the top bit, which is right above the away fans, and then right above the fans at Palace that really do only come, that that whole area, the bottom two-thirds of the half away stand, is single-game tickets. They're not going to be loud. They've got kids. You know, it's the way... It, it, it wasn't a quiet atmosphere. There was points when it was really loud and it felt like it was, you know, back when the HF were around. But generally speaking, people are still singing all the way through. Um, and and people that criticise that, I, I just I can't understand. You, you you've got a right to be however you want a football game, provided yeah, know, you're not being racist or homophobic or anything yeah, like that. Too right, yeah. No, look, I think the to sort of so the point you're making, like, I had the exact same thing. There was someone I won't I won't do any description or anything like that in case they they recognise themselves. But there's someone saying, "Is this a library?" And that was the first time I'd heard them singing all game. And I just thought, yeah. maybe yeah. maybe join in with the rest of us then instead of. Is it a wait until a quiet bit and asking if it's a library? But so I totally get the point you're making, and I, I think it's a good point to to make after what I said because I, I I was talking specifically about a singing section about if you want that, if you think that's a good idea, and if you think that adds to, you know, it gives you something to be proud of as a Palace fan, then just get yeah. out and support it. But that doesn't mean that I don't respect the fact that they will. There are people currently in that area who don't come to football to sing. What I would just say to those people is, as a, as a Palace supporter, does it really matter if you're sat in that same row, in that same seat of Block E? And some people will say, oh, well, you know, I've had this seat for 25 years, blah, 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 blah. Does, does it really matter that much? If it does matter that much for whatever reason, I personally can't picture a reason I would be so physically attached to a single seat and wouldn't want to move. But if, if other people do, then, then fair enough. It's not for me to tell you otherwise. But generally speaking, I, I, you know, the issue with the HF, with, with a singing section, it's not going to be resolved unless people are prepared to make concessions. Uh, and if they're not prepared to make concessions, then just, just, you know, be used to how it is now. And if you want to make it, if you want to make a difference, you're going to have to think of a creative way to do it because the HF spent, what, 15 years near enough well probably 10 12 years you know fighting their cause from from a you know handful of people up to to up to uh, however many people they had at their height you know and and they had to go through all sorts of stuff to do it um and don't think just because someone else did it in five minutes you're going to be able to replace them by taking 100 tickets in block b because that's not going to happen you know what i mean it's it's much much more than that 
Um, so I, look, I don't know. I don't know. It's so difficult to cover off all the different angles of the subject. You know, all I would say is, you know, have a read of the statement on the palace website because, you know, there's, there's some good information there as to, as to what, to what went on. I know the HF, are, they don't want to damage their relations with the club any further and they don't want to, you know, get into tit for tat kind of this happened and that happened and this promise was made and that promise was, I know they don't want to get into that. I think they just want a solution the same as anyone. And I just, it's a real shame because at the moment. And, and, and the key point is they've still made no public comment of criticizing anyone at all. The only public comment they've made is, is a positive one to get behind the team. Yep. That's all they've said. And the, the first thing today that's come out is, is that's the first public statement from either party that said anything. Um, so I'm sure the first thing that they asked for is that um, there's no, you know, there's none of the insults around, oh, there's little young kids making noise and we can do off without them. The ageist thing that's come out from some angles, which yeah. was horrible. Um, you know, they, they just want people to carry on. And in this, uh, the same conjecture, if there's people that A, criticise them and then B, criticise the quietness, well, that that doesn't that doesn't add up properly. You can't criticise both things. It doesn't make any sense. No, it's that, there's the danger that some people are make, trying to make the situation poisonous, either through stupidity or through maliciousness. You know, and that, that's very odd. You're quite right in pointing out that those involved have been very very clear in what they've said or haven't said. So, I think that what my view is is that as a, as supporters of Crystal Palace, we should be you know, rightly proud of the atmosphere we've generated as a as a home support and an away support over a number of years. Uh, there's no doubt whatsoever that the HF miss being missing makes a difference. And just keep your eyes out in, in, about how you might be able to help resolve that situation. And I really hope we can in the in the not too distant future because I've got a lot of respect for I've got a lot of respect for the club and how they've you know interacted with with fan groups in general and i've got so much respect for the hf and what they did for us as supporters so let's hope it gets good got a bit preachy there didn't it yeah it's all right though (laughs) and we've gone on for bloody ages so much for starting early so we could have an early night i was gonna say this is the longest i've ever done i've been on a show for like four years now and we did some long shows in the past pretty pretty funny just make mikey have to stay up late really late editing it all as well (laughs) oh yeah great a few swears in there. I wonder if you'll get them all. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, obviously, thanks to my panel, Mike and Patrick, uh, and also to Mikey for producing. You can subscribe to our show via your chosen podcast apps so you don't miss a thing with three shows a week. I strongly suggest you do that. Obviously, if you need help in accessing the show in any way, shape, or form, do let us know and we will help you. Uh, huge thanks to everybody who got in touch. That you did help shape the show, even if we didn't read out your comments or anything like that. Uh, just make sure you engage with our social media accounts throughout the course of the week uh, to get involved in any of the shows. Um, so in midweek, so Thursday night, there will be a Love Sport live show, 7 to 9 p.m. And then the following week, we'll be back on the Thursday with another Love Sport show, as well as the preview show with Terence, Sam, Albert, and a, an away supporter guest. And then uh, we'll be reviewing the Huddersfield game uh, two weeks' time today, Sunday, that we're recording this. It's so well there until I mentioned said the word today, didn't I? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> cheers, everyone. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. 
You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.